Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's really probably the uh, uh, Sunday school lesson on the Mount, but it's, uh, he's sitting down, he's teaching, and some of the greatest truths in the Word of God is found by the greatest teacher uh, on this earth, that ever walked this earth, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Thank God for His teaching, and uh, thank God for His Word. I was thinking about all the expense, all the trouble, all the hours going to interpret the Bible. Wouldn't it be a shame if somebody received one of the copies of the, of the New Testament and they didn't read it, and they didn't believe it, and they didn't, and they didn't uh, meditate on it, and they didn't memorize it. And folks, I want to tell you something. We have Bibles running out of our ears. Uh, I got so many of them in my office that I wear out, but I don't want to, I don't want to uh, uh, throw them away because of the notes. But uh, I did uh, give a few away to the Philippines just a second ago or uh, last week, and I don't think it's the same. Uh, it's the same team, but uh, brother uh, Rick has a real burden to get the Bibles over to the Philippines. They've been working on that this week. And uh, we need to take the Word of God as the Word of God. Amen. And cherish it. And thank God you showed up in the rain tonight. This is a a very slim crowd, except for a few of us. And uh, thank the Lord for uh, you being here. Amen. And it's encouraging to see somebody come to the house of God. That was good music. I appreciate that song. Appreciate Brother Jeremy's diligence to study the Word of God. That was a great series. If you missed it, it's online, and you ought to watch every every minute of it because it'll bless your heart, I promise you, uh, about the King James Bible, the history of it. Uh, and, you know, many people gave their lives that we'd have that Bible. And so that's another motive to, to cherish it. But, you know, the only hope for America and the only hope for a revival is the salt of the earth. And here's some common Galileans not lawyers, not Greek philosophers, just ordinary people. And um, Matthew addresses them and says, you are the salt of the earth. I want you to look at verse 13. And we'll back up to uh, verse um, 3. But it says, you are the salt of the earth, but the salt has lost its savor. Wherewith shall it be salt? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast down and trodden underfoot, of men, you are the light of the world. A city that is set up on a hill cannot be hid. And you know, I believe the Lord was um, uh, challenging these folks to be salty Christians. And um, salt speaks of character. Salt speaks of of substance. Salt speaks of uh, some pungency. You know, and I preached uh, just a couple of weeks ago about what salt will do. It, it'll season, it'll preserve, it'll heal, it'll irritate if it gets in somebody's eye. Amen? Salt penetrates. Thank God for that. And, um, you know, the demand for salt. Salt speaks of the inward character that influences a decaying world. Think about it. In the Bible days, they didn't have refrigerators. They had salt. And the only hope for preservation was salt. Light speaks of outward testimony. Let your works shine before men uh, that he might be glorified. And folks, uh, the only hope for America, the only hope for uh, revival is that my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. That's what I want to preach on tonight is uh, being poor in spirit. Go back to verse 3 now. 
Well, let's read verses 1 through 3. It says, Seeing the multitude, he went up into the mountain. When he had said, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Let's stand in all the word of God. I'm going to read all the Beatitudes. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You know, we all need mercy, don't we? Amen. Uh, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it says, Blessed are ye that men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all matter of evil against you falsely for my sake. There's the key, for my sake. It says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, uh, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And then he says, Ye are the salt of the earth. So you may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for helping us to see in context that, Lord, we need to have, some, we need to have a right attitude. Lord, we need to have a heart change, and we need to have our heart full of your love and your your spirit, and your humility. And God, we need to have a hunger and thirst in our heart for righteousness. God, we need to show mercy. We definitely need to be peacemakers, not division people, uh, divisive. And Lord, as the warning goes, we will be persecuted if we have the right kind of testimony. So God, help us. Help us to have the attitude towards God of receiving your word tonight. Help us to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And Lord, it's not self-righteousness, but it's your righteousness that we need. And so Lord, help us to keep it salty. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. I want to title this message tonight, Keeping the Salt Salty and the Light Bright. You know, the greatest thing you have going for you is your testimony. If you lose it, you're in trouble. Now, I do believe in restoring people's testimony. As they humble themselves, they repent. I believe you ought to show mercy. Amen. I don't believe there's any of us that doesn't need mercy. And we need forgiveness. And I believe the church ought to restore people. Amen. And I don't mean compromise, but I'm talking about if people get uh, uh, in trouble or they sin, or they, make, uh, uh, they make mistakes, and you have and I have, then if they are repentant and broken, I believe that we ought to restore them and let them be used of God. Amen? Thank God for that. I'm glad God gave me a second chance, a third chance, and a 3,000th chance. And I thank the Lord for it. But I want you to notice in verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now last week, we began this study by just going over all the Beatitudes, kind of in summary, just a maybe a one-line sermon on each one of them. But I want to I define what poor in spirit means. It does not mean poor-spirited. You know, we got enough poor-spirited people going around here uh, in the Baptist church in general. Uh, they're critical, cynical, and just uh, looking for somebody to uh, miss a note. Wasn't it great to hear uh, Nikki play? Amen. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something. In about a year, she'll be playing with these specials. Amen. And this is Miss uh, Rebecca Studet 
and she's in here playing while Miss Rebecca's with the youth group with her husband, of course. And I just thank God for her playing tonight. That's good training and it's own job training. Hey, poor in spirit's not shyness. Uh, some people are just shy. Uh, it's not mocked humility. As Moses proclaimed, he could not speak. But you know what? He needed to realize who he was speaking to. You know, God the Creator said, go. And he said, no, I can't. I, st I, st I stutter. I'm not able. I'm not eloquent of speech. And so he had some mocked humility to the poor in spirit is knowing yourself, it's accepting yourself, and thank God it's being yourself to the glory of God. Uh, I said this a couple weeks ago, but we had a lot of people clearing their throat all over America when Dr. Jack Hiles was so popular. He had esophagus problems. He didn't do that just to, that wasn't his style of preaching, say amen. We have a lot of people that wore double-breasted uh, suits, and one of my heroes was Dr. Lee Robinson. He came down here uh, every anniversary and preached, and what a blessing he was. Have faith in God. And I remember one time I asked Dr. Robinson when I took him back home because he was past driving at 93 years of age, and Connie and I had the privilege of riding with he and Ms. Robinson. I said, what's the difference in one man of God and another man of God? Why does one get be used of God and Another, I thought he'd say, have, have faith in God. And, and that is the difference, because a lot of people don't believe God. But he looked at me with that deep, sounding voice and said, Brother, it's the amount of dying to self. Dying to self. That's what you need to do, is die to self. And about that time, he put his head on, hand on top of my head. I was driving now, and he said, I'm going to pray for you right now, that you'll die to self. And I said, I pray we don't die on this highway, amen, because I'm shook up, amen, the man of God praying. And we prayed, and God, God blessed, and I thank God for it. But it's not trying to pretend you're somebody else. You know, when you try to pretend you're somebody else, you're not there, they're not there, so nobody's there. <laughs> I mean, you th think about that. You try to be Jack Hiles, well, he's not here. And then you're trying not to be yourself, so you're not there, so nobody's there, amen. Nobody's home, amen. The lights are on, but you can tell nobody's home. And I want to tell you this, friend, God wants us to be ourselves. I don't preach like Jack Hiles. I don't preach like some great preachers all around America. I just preach like I preach. And, uh, and uh, you listen like you listen. You teach like you teach. We just need to be ourselves. We need to accept ourselves. Now, I want to give you the evidence of being poor in spirit. Another word for poor in spirit is humble. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. If you don't humble yourself, God knows how. Amen? And, you know, some people are so... Humble, they're proud of it. I mean, they just, you know, they go around and try to convince everybody how humble they are. You know, there's a new phrase in the Webster's Dictionary. It's called humble brag. Humble brag. It's a Facebook uh, uh, analogy. That people say, well, you know, uh, just praise God I had enough power to uh, deadlift 565 pounds this morning, but praise the Lord it wasn't me. That's humble brag. Uh, they don't re they're not really praising God for strength. They want everybody on Facebook to like them. And they'll even show you a picture of their bicep if you let them. <laughs> That's pathetic, isn't it? And they're all doing it for the like. Well, I'm going to tell you something. We need to stop uh, living for likes of man and likes of God. We need to stop living for the applause of earth and live for the applause of heaven. Say amen. And that humility. It's humble. Evidence in, of humility. Poor in spirit. Uh, let me give you just a few evidence of being humble or 
uh, poor in spirit. Number one, you accept others because you accept yourself. You accept others because you accept yourself. There's a great passage in Scripture, and I teach it almost every time I do a uh, marriage retreat. Just had a great one this past weekend uh, at Pigeon Ford. You know, somebody's got to do that. Praise God. You've got to go to Pigeon Ford and, and teach for six hours. But I love it. And um, Old Swanee Baptist Church, one of the oldest churches in Georgia, has had me for four years straight. I don't know why. See, that's humble bragging right there, I guess. But you accept others because you accept yourself. But in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 33, it says, Husbands, you need to love yourself. And I often read that scripture. I said, man, alive. Most people love themselves. They look in the mirror and think they're God gift to women. And they, th they say, oh, I guess I got a problem with pride. I said, no, you got a problem with a wild imagination. Amen. But I will tell you something, friend. You need to accept yourself the way God made you. Stop apologizing for God's creation. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about sin and I'm not talking about compromise. I'm talking about God made you the way he wanted you and God's allowed you to go through what he's had you go through because he wants the glory out of your life. He don't want you to glory in yourself. He wants you to glory in God. Say amen. And so God has a way of humbling us. And folks, one of the evidence of being humble or poor in spirit is that you accept yourself. I'll get into that in just a little bit about how to cultivate humility. You'll be surprised how to do that. Don't pray for it, by the way. Amen. Because God will give it to you. Amen. But uh, then, you know, uh, you need to accept yourself. I, I think about two men in the Bible. One was humble and one was full of pride. The one that was humble was named David. And he was a king. And the Bible says in this verse, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm telling you, friend, when you decrease, God increase. But also when you humble yourself, God will lift you up. Not in, in a prideful way, but he'll magnify himself through you. And that's a great position to be in. Just to be a magnifying glass for the sun to shine through. Amen? I used to have a bad habit. I like to burn stuff up when I was a kid. And I got in big trouble. I got, the, I got my rear end burned up. I guarantee you that for doing this. But I had a magnifying glass. <clears throat> and I, I discovered that thing, if you'd angle it just good enough, you could set a whole pile of leaves on fire. My mother would never give me matches. Then after she found out how reckless I was, paramaniac or whatever you call it, <clears throat> she took the magnifying glass away from me. But I remember I carved my initials in my favorite baseball glove, KWC with a magnifying glass angled at the right way. And I'm going to tell you what the angle for God to be magnified is. Die to self. Lay your life down as a vessel. And, say, and don't start promoting yourself. Well, David, the Bible says, that look in 1 Samuel 18, and I'm going to uh, not preach my favorite way of preaching. That's verse by verse. I want to give you a topical message on poor in spirit. Uh, and it might be a character uh, lesson because I uh, will deal with David and Saul just for a few minutes. But in 1 Samuel 18 and verse 18, uh, the Bible says this. It says, And David said unto Saul, Who am I? Reminds me of that good song. And what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be the son-in-law to the king? You know, that was his attitude. Who am I? When they anointed him as king with that fresh oil, uh, he was the, uh, the ruddy. Uh, they said he was redheaded. I don't know how they get that from it. 
Um, I just thank God he had some hair, amen? But anyway, uh, Nikki's smiling. I think he was redheaded. I'm not sure what ruddy means. Um, but, you know, he, he was a... Con there was, there was a there, David never promoted his position. He never campaigned for his position. Have you ever noticed how prideful politicians politicians are have you ever noticed how prideful some preachers are you know to God be the glory brother David gave God the glory for all that he's done but that's that's a that's a great that's a great uh, accomplishment to to interpret the Bible and translate the Bible that's tremendous but he wasn't up here uh, bragging on himself he's bragging on what God laid on his heart and that's wonderful and so folks we see that there's a constant source of friction even among the disciples in Matthew 18 1 they had an argument on who's the greatest. Sounded like Muhammad Ali, don't it? God help him. Is he still alive? I think he died. But you know, he got that disease where he couldn't even move, and he was it was terrible. One time he got on a plane and he's so cocky, he said, um, they said, Buckle up. He was in first class, of course. And he says, he said, he said, I'm Superman, and Superman don't have to buckle up. And that uh uh Wise stewardess said, buckle up. I don't care who you are. He said, I'm Muhammad Ali. I don't buckle up. And he said, I'm Superman. He actually called himself Superman. And so finally in her wisdom, she said, I want to tell you one thing. You need to buckle up because Superman don't need an airplane. You know, and so that was pretty good wisdom, wasn't it? Amen. I'm just saying, friend, listen, our Lord's answer uh, was to take an unspoiled child and put him up on his lap and teach the disciples, for such is the kingdom of God. Amen. Don't you love to work with children? They're not smart, Alex. They don't try to smart back, and they don't try to figure out anything. They just trust you. And that's how you come to God, not with childish faith, but with childlike faith. And that takes humility. Let me just say this. If you're ever going to get saved, you need to be humble. You need to realize you're a sinner. And you've fallen way short of the glory of God. And works cannot make it. Folks, King Saul is antithesis of David. He cannot become like a child as he as a result he lost his he lost his crown because he was not humble. He lost his kingdom and he lost his life. That's the difference in Saul and David. They both messed up. But I want to tell you what was so wonderful about David. He admitted it and he confessed it. You'll read Psalms 32 and Psalms 51. It's one of the greatest confessions you'll ever read in your life. He started confessing every part of his body had been affected by sin. He said, I'm, in Psalms 51, he said, I'm, I, I, I was born in iniquity. It wasn't even meant he was an illegitimate child. It meant he was born with a sinful nature. Boy, he was broken. And he said, a broken and contrite heart, thou will not despise. See, despising got him in trouble. You know the story. When Nathan came to him and said, Thou art the man, he said, I'm going to tell you why you became the man of adultery and murder. Because you despise the commandments of God. And thus, the Lord God saying, You've despised me. You know what despise means? Count it as ordinary. Let me say this, friend. This book's not ordinary. This book is divine. This book is powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. This book is the sword of the Spirit. Think about that. The divine couplet, the Word of God and the Spirit of God is a sword that penetrates people's hearts and that cuts that facade of pride away because it takes humility to get saved. And it takes humility to be a good Christian. 
And it takes humility to be a great leader because if you're not a good follower, you're not a good leader. Amen. If you won't listen to others and humble yourself and listen to preaching and listen to God, you have no right to say you have authority to preach the Word of God. Amen. Humility is a great trait of a man of God. And Folks, I want to tell you something. Samuel commanded him to wait for the prophet's arrival uh, before any sacrifice was offered. What did old Saul do in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5 through 14? He pretended to be a priest. There he is pretending to be somebody else that he's not. You know the rest of the story. He gave another chance and commanded him to, ex uh, to exterminate the Amalekites, the enemies of God. And he pretended to be God. And he said, no, I'm going to de deliberately disobey uh, the Lord. And he left some alive. And they ate his lunch and ate a lot of people's lunch. The final scene is Saul's life is 1 Samuel chapter 28. Saul's completely, completely abandons God, consults a witch. A man of God, a king after God's own heart, consulting a witch. And guess how he'd consulted him? He disguised himself. Anytime you got to cover up, you better... You better Realize, folks, the cover-ups might be good in man's eyes, but God sees right through them. Pride covers up a lot of things, but it doesn't cover up your cold heart towards God. In a sense, Saul had disguised himself ever since he was anointed king. And, and um, 1 Samuel 15, verse 23 says he had total rebellion. And the Bible says... Samuel said, rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. You want a foothold for the devil? Just be rebellious towards God's man and towards God and God's word. It's a foothold for the devil. It's a sin of witchcraft. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need to humble ourselves and draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to us. And we need to submit to God and then the devil will flee. But the order is divine. You've got to submit to God before the devil will flee. Because I'm going to tell you something, he's not scared of you. But greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. It takes humility to yield to the Spirit of God and let him fight your battles. No, I can take this, I can handle this. No, you can't. No one can live the Christian life without the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Oh, friend, listen. We need to see Saul committed suicide on the battlefield. And folks, his crown was taken away by an Amalekite, the very people that he spared. And one of uh, the men Saul himself was commanded to slay, uh, kill, uh, slayed him in 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, the Bible says. And then another evidence of uh, being poor in the spirit, or, or not poor-spirited, but humble, is to accept circumstances. To accept circumstances. You know, when circumstances do not go your way, do you become angry? You become critical. You blame God. I've seen people quit church over a baby dying, a mama dying, a daddy dying. Get bitter. Folks, I want to tell you something. Those kind of things ought to humble us to be more dedicated to God, not run from God. Are you always trying to manipulate people in circumstances for your own benefit, your own comfort? That's pride. Are you willing to give in to make things easier for somebody for somebody else? Do you 
Do you cut corners and make deals to accomplish what you want? The Bible says in Philippians 4.11, you ought to be content no matter what state you're in, whether it's Tennessee or Georgia. You ought to be content no matter what God brings in your life. That does not mean complacent. Poor in spirit, um, you ought to submit to circumstances and realize that it's all fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel that all things work together for the good of them, that love God called according to His purpose, and that He's predestined you to be like Him. That's not predestined to hell or heaven, Calvinist. That's predestined for holiness. Once you get saved, you're predestined to be like Him. And I want to tell you something. Our Lord was humble. Jesus was humble. He had no place to lay His head. That's humility. He never would rob God of His glory. He was humble. He gave God the glory. He prayed before every miracle and after every miracle. He was humble. And folks, we're going to be like Christ. We need to be humble. And we're, ne we're ne never more like the devil than when we're full of pride. And the devil is wise. He tempts you with uh, not his will because you would never do Satan's will. I want to tell you what he comes to you with. Your will. You say, I will. And he gives you many options. And folks, I want to tell you something, friend. We can't do our will. We must do his will. And that takes humility. Not my will, but thine be done. When's the last time you've prayed with tears saying, Dear God, I, I, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because you told me to. And I know it's not going to be easy. And I know I'm going to have to sacrifice and give up my country and give up my family. Folks, I want to tell you something. Humility accepts circumstances. Accepts others. Because you've accepted yourself. But let me just say thirdly, humility is a right attitude towards things. You know, things can get in the way. Say amen. Uh, poor in spirit doesn't find satisfaction in things. Uh, a proud man is possessed by things. It's alright to have things as long as things don't have you. But a humble man possesses things and uses them. Uses them for good of others. They're generous. But for the glory of God. God's blessed you to be a blessing, by the way. Genesis 12, 2. He's blessed you to be a blessing. Folks, he's entrusted you, not as, as owners, but stewards of his blessings. And folks, a humble man can handle that. A prideful man, he can't handle material things. Um, material possessions, wealth, things, is either a window through which we, are, which we see God, or a mirror of which we see ourselves. And poor in spirit realizes you're not the owner. You're just entrusted with everything you have for God's glory. That takes humility. I mean, that's not your car. That's not your truck. That's not your home. That's not your life. You're not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body and spirit, which are the Lord. Say amen. These hands are not my own. This mind is not my own. And it's slipping a little lately. I'm forgetting your names. So I just call you brother and sister. Amen. 
Isn't that awful that you forget somebody? I used to never forget a phone number. Never. Now we have this speed dial stuff, and I don't know a phone number. If I lost my cell phone, I would be in trouble. I don't know where it is now. I'd be in trouble, amen? And boy, we don't leave home without it, do we? Amen? We treat the New Testament like we did the cell phone. We'd be dynamic Christians. We'd never leave home without it. Amen. We'd keep it right by our side. Oh, me. Let me don't get me started on that. Then the fourth evidence is accepting God's will for your life. A proud person resists the will of God. A person who is self-satisfied, self-sufficient, will have no need for God. But the poor in spirit, the humble, oh, we sing, I need thee, I need thee every hour. No man has the right to exercise authority who himself is not under authority. Come on. That's why I say, hey, listen, you're going to preach in this pulpit, behind this pulpit? You better show up on visitation and preach one-on-one. Or your preaching days are over behind this pulpit, buddy. Hey, if you're going to preach behind this pulpit and tell everybody how sorry they are and how holy you are, you better come to Sunday school. Come on. You better be teachable. You better be submissive and you better be humble. Folks, this is not a place to display authority over people unless you're willing to be under authority. Say amen. I want to tell you something. I still come to Sunday school and I still sit in that front row and I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm in the glory class. That's the last class to heaven, praise God. My mother used to say, you know, the only thing I don't like about that old ladies' class is the next heaven's going, the next class is going to be in heaven. I said, well, Mama, you're getting old, amen. Now I'm in the glory class. Good night. I need to go teach the youth or something, amen. But anyway, um, time flies when you're having a great time, amen. Folks, we need to reign in life. Look at the verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes that, that seems like an oxymoron. That seems like a contradiction. But folks, my Bible tells me you decrease, he increases. Hey, I want to tell you something, folks. You're free to let him be who he is through you when you're humble. But you're just free to do what you want to do if you think you can do it. And you try to do it in the flesh, I'm, you're going to fall right on your proverbial face. Amen? God's going to let you. God's going to allow it. God's going to drop the bottom out under you. I want to tell you something, friend. It's not comfortable. I want you to turn to Romans 5, 17. You knew I was going to go there, but maybe you didn't, but, you know, we're going there. And here it is. Don't you love to study the Bible on Wednesday night? Romans 5, 17. The Bible says, for one, for one, By one man's offense, death reigned by one. Who was that? Adam. That's our great-great-grandparents. Unless you think you came from a baboon. It says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more, I like that much more. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, saved, shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Here's a promise. You'll walk in his kingdom. You'll have the kingdom's book. That's authority. I'm going to tell you what the authority of this church is, the word of God. Amen. I don't have no authority over your life, but this word does. I hope I'm respected as a leader, but I want to be a servant leader. I want to, I want to help you. I want to be a blessing. But sometimes I have to rebuke sin. Sometimes I have to preach straight. And I like it. 
But I got three fingers pointing back at me when I got one pointing at you. Reigning in life means submitting to Christ. Everybody wants a shortcut. Everybody wants their little kingdom. But the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6.33 Pride always weakens a person. Pride cuts you off from the fellowship with the Lord. That's why. Pride cuts you off from the power of God. The initial sin of the Bible was pride. I'll be my own God. I'll, I, I don't need you, God, Eve said. And Adam joined her. I can be my own God. They had paradise, good night. They had God, but they wanted to be God. That's humanism that started in the garden. And it's, and it's rampant in the United States of America. You know what the number one cult in America is? It's not the Islam's one block up. It's not the Buddhists two blocks up. It's not the JWs across the street. And it's not the Mormons across the street from, from Walmart. Man, we live on a great road, don't we? And it's not the Reformed church that's trying to tell everybody they're predestined for ordained to go to hell. I want to tell you what the greatest cult in America is. Humanism. They just, their own God. They don't believe in rules. They got their own rules. They don't they believe, they don't, nobody's going to tell them what to do. You better thank God the Lord can tell you what to do. And folks, it's boundaries of protection. Thou shalt not. He loves you. He's got a better plan for your life than yourself. Pride always weakens. Pride always cuts off. Peter was the weakest when he welled the sword at that Malchus's head and missed and chopped his ear off. That was his weakest point. But you know when he was the strongest? Peter, when he wept bitterly and humbled himself and admitted to God that he needed him. He was the weakest when he went fishing on his own strength and caught nothing. But he was the strongest when he fell at his knees and said, Lord, you know I love you. He was, a, he was weak when he tried to say, hey, listen, nobody will take you down. I'll back you all the way. I'm strong. I'm independent. I didn't say fundamental. Uh, independent, and I can do what I want to, but he was the strongest, and he, was the, uh, he glorified God the most when he was crucified upside down like his Lord and gave his life. I'm telling you, friend, Peter summed it up in his first, in, his, in the two epistles he wrote, first from Second Peter, about the hope in Christ. He found out there was no hope in him. There was no glory in him. Folks, we're the strongest when we're the weakest. Jesus used a little child as an example of that. And folks, the world thinks authority comes through size and, and ability and noise and self-promotion. Folks, I want to tell you something. True authority comes from poverty of spirit. We reign as kings because we submit as servants. Spiritual kingdoms not only involves authority, but it involves liberty. Pride makes a slave out of you. Your humility sets you free as God's servant. You're free in God's will, say amen. You're free in the master's boundaries. You're free obeying God and submitting to God. You're free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. A person that's full of pride, he is a slave to popular opinion and to what he wants 
and the whims of the flesh, the devil, and the world. If you live to promote yourself, you're as bound as a slave. If you live for things, you're a slave to those things. If you live to circumstances, those circumstances can rule your life. Folks, we ought to just humble ourselves in the sight of God. And he'll lift you up. And theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me close real quick. A, poor, a person poor in spirit um, should simply just know yourself, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, know your hidden desires, your ambitions, your spiritual gifts, your natural abilities, but be honest. and Say, Lord, I can't make it without you. I need you. You accept yourself. Some people, when they discover what they really are, deny that, and they become pretenders. They're fakes. They're hypocrites. We just need to be real. Say amen. I just love to be around real people, you know? I mean, not someone that's trying to impress you. Some people pray, Oh God, the father of Rehoboam and Jeroboam and all these born boys, we... we Grace your presence and, you know, oh man, just get rid of that lingo and try to impress people while you pray and just pray. You might not pray, you might just need to cry a little while. But confess you're a sinner and thank God you're saved. Folks, we need to accept ourselves, but we need to accept who God is. And I, want, I don't want to close real quick with this, with this thought. We just need to be ourselves for the glory of God. We need to grow for the glory of God. We need to be disciples and disciples. Folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's a way to cultivate humility. And I just want to, I just want to, I just want to touch this. Number one, I might skip a few slides, but I don't know where I'm at really on that outline. But um, you need to, number one, accept God's estimate of yourself. Now, what's the Lord say about you? Well, I'm glad you asked. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, None is righteous, no, not one. And folks, we not only need to accept the estimate of ourselves, look at Romans 12.3. Romans 12.3 real quick. We got time. Romans 12.3. Powerful verse. I like 12.1 and 2, don't you? But look at 3. I should have had it marked. Sorry for the delay. It says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that he that, that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Well, ought to be serious and sober. But folks, you know, we not only should accept God's estimate of ourselves, we need to accept God's remedy. The Bible says in John 3, 7, you must be born again. You know why? Because your life's not good enough to go to heaven. Amen. Hey, your works are not good enough to go to heaven. You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. Folks, accept that. Number two, real quick, how do you cultivate being poor in the Spirit? How do you become humble? You say, look, you say, preach, I'm humble enough. Well, you need this message more than anybody. Amen. Number two, you need to yield yourself to God daily and draw your strength from Him, Savior. 
We're getting into a Sunday school series. We've been in Leviticus. That's been a real blessing uh, to listen to. <laughs> I don't know about teaching it, but it's a great book on holiness. But uh, we're going to go into this chapter, John 15. Turn with me real quick. John 15. My time is running out. But look at John 15 and uh, verse, um, let's see, 5. It's talking about abiding. Let me say that what abiding is. To the degree that you know God, you will love God. And the degree that you love God, you will obey God. And you're the branch, he's the vine. Say amen. And you can do nothing. Look at verse 5. Here it is. I am the vine, ye are the branches. You need to know who you are. Some people go around, strutting around like they're the main, main thing. And they're the vine. They're the source of all peace and joy and purpose. No, you're not. If it wasn't for God, you would have enough sense to get to church tonight. Amen. You would have enough sense to drive that $40,000 truck you drive or whatever it is. Amen. You wouldn't have enough sense. I can't even find my keys half time because I got a 2007 with a push button ignition. That's the worst thing ever invented by man. You know why? Because you can crank that thing with the things under the seat. And you can leave your car and it's still cranked. And that's not good. For somebody like me. But it says, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. I ain't going to tell you how many times I've left that thing running. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, that means know him, love him, and obey him, and yield to him. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Isn't that wonderful? Folks, holiness is a fruit. Good works is a fruit. Soul winning is a fruit. Love, joy, peace is a fruit. It's not a manufactured plastic result. And in the flesh and in pride, that's what you'll try to do. You'll try to live the Christian life trying to impress people and impress yourself. But here's the last phrase I want you to see. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. I know it's late and I'm closing, but folks, we need to yield. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your what? Reasonable service. By the mercies of God, by Calvary, you ought to reasonably give all your life. And be not conformed to this world, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that good and perfect, uh, acceptable and will of God. Folks, it's proving it out in your life. So you need to yield. Philippians 2 talks about God yielding, being humble, and becoming a servant. That's what I want to be, don't you? I'm tired of trying to impress people. Matter of fact, it's depressing sometimes to see people trying to impress people with their selves. You ever seen a singer get up and try to impress you with his voice? Sit down. I mean, really. Some old boy get up here and you know, and don't ever say this. Well, I hadn't practiced. They'll know that in just a minute. You don't have to tell nobody you hadn't practiced. But you know, some people get, well, I can't sing. Well, don't, please. You will embarrass yourself. But I want to tell you this, friend. Somebody gets up here and got a message on their heart and song, and it's it's uh, it's been a good day of praying and seeking God and witnessing. The Spirit of God takes over in a song, it's a blessing. Just like a message is a blessing. When you know the person's prayed and sought God. And so, folks, listen yield, yield, yield. 
the Christian life is not willing and dealing, it's yielding. And folks, the only way you can yield is you're the branch, he's the vine. He's the source, you're the servant. He's the Spirit of God in your life, and you are a channel, a conduit, a blessing. What a privilege. What a privilege. Number three, focus on Christ and His blessings. What's Romans 2, 4 says real quick? It says the goodness of God draws man to repentance. Humility comes from studying not your own sins. Humility doesn't come from studying your failures. Don't do that. You'll get depressed. Don't let the past poison the present and ruin the future. It's one of my favorite sayings. And I think it's original. I probably got it from Lester Roloff or something. I don't know. Don't care who said it, but I know this. It's true. A lot of people live in the past. We've got to conclude the past. It's not the um, badness of man that leads to repentance. It's the goodness of God. And the more you contemplate on the goodness of God, that's why worship is so important. To know the will of God. And you stand before Him and pray and seek His face. The more God will humble you with His greatness. And His goodness. And His power. Luke chapter 5. Peter caught nothing. But he was humbled because God showed up and God worked a miracle. And what was the response? I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. Look it up, Luke chapter 5, verse 8. What was his response? So wonderful. He said, when Simon Peter saw it, saw what? Saw what he had done. Saw the ships loaded, filled to the capacity, almost began to sink, verse 7. That's a miracle. Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Goodness of God should humble you. The greatness of God should humble you. And then last but not least, oh, friend, oh, we need this desperately. We need to look for opportunities to serve others. Humility and service go together. Don't say you're humble if you're not serving. Um, a proud man looks for others to serve him. Isn't that it? Oh, I've come here to be blessed. And by the way, come back to church as soon as you can. Because we're not here, we're not, we're not going to service for ourselves. We come to exhort and edify one another. So when you walk in this place, you encourage somebody. Amen? You say, well, no, I'm worshiping at home. You might be worshiping at home, but you're not ministering to the saints. You got me? And I'm not trying to be cruel. I know some of you can't come, and you're sick, and et cetera, and you're scared to come back. That, that's fine. But I want to tell you something. When you walk in here, you encourage this man. And when you show up visitation, you really encourage this preacher. And when you run a bus route or you teach a Sunday school class and I walk down the hall and I hear you spreading the gospel to these little kids that's never heard a clear presentation of the gospel, it blesses my heart. It's just wonderful. Sacrifice and service are twin children of humility. 
Folks, listen. Listen very carefully now. We've got to realize that the greatest servants, the greatest saints of God, the greatest prophets, the greatest men of God started out humble. Moses was a, was a keeper of tended sheep. David was a shepherd. Joseph was a steward and a prisoner. And Jesus was a carpenter, son of a carpenter. We need to live with, live with our eyes open and never forget to praise God. We need to realize that if we're going to reign in life, we need to live to serve the life giver. And the sin of pride has ruined many, many great men of God more than any other sin. Saul, his character, his crown, and ultimately his life was taken because of pride. But humility is a grace that made David a king after God's own heart. Father, use this message. It's a hard message to preach, but it's a harder to live. God, help us be poor in spirit. Help us to be humble enough to realize how good and great you are and how wonderful it is to be saved. So Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray to your God that each person in this room has been challenged by the Holy Ghost and the Word of God to be blessed by being poor in spirit. With every head bowed, every eye closed, this will be the invitation night. Have me say, Preacher, I'm going through some things that I don't understand. And I want to be usable, and I want to be clay in the potter's hand, and I know that if I'm going to do that, I've got to go to the first beatitude and say, Dear God, keep me humble and help me to just be who you want me to be, not somebody else. And that's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up? God bless you all over this place. i got to raise my hand. should raise both of my hands. Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for your word. I'm looking forward to this study of the Beatitudes. I know it's going to help us. All, all the time, the word of God helps us. We appreciate so much the privilege of being able to be the pastor of this church for these many years. Thank you for the blessed privilege to be with the missionaries tonight has humbled themselves and obeyed you and launched out to the deep, so to speak. And God, you've used them, and you're going to use them. So Lord, help us to stay at the foot of the cross is our prayer. In Jesus' name.